You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. I want to look, folks, at the, the short time that we've left um, at relationships. We've been dealing with a relationship that exists within the Godhead between Father and Son. And now we want to look at the relationship that exists between us and God. It's that vertical relationship. And something that you'll know by now, and if you don't, you will, is that relationships are messy. They develop complications, and they can often dissolve. And sometimes the foundation of a relationship seems really solid and durable, but then it crumbles and it falls apart. When I worked on the Belfast City Mission, um, there was a lady came to the mission hall that I worked on. And she came one night to the Sunday meeting and she started to cry. She says, could you come and see me tomorrow? So I went to her house. And she said to me, look, I have something to tell you. And I says, what is it? She says, I chucked my husband out. It's like, right. Now, I think she was sort of half expecting that I would say to her, well, you know, now, I don't know the circumstances, but you really could be doing my work on it, that. Then she started to explain. She says, my first husband died a brain tumor, and that's who she had her three children to, two who were older than me, one who was younger. And she said, I married again. And I found out that he was videoing my daughter in her bedroom. So I chucked him out. And I said, you did the right thing. What a heinous, evil, nasty, wicked thing to do. But that girl was expecting me to give a totally different answer about her relationship that had broken down. Not because she wanted it to, but because her other half had facilitated that type of breakdown. You see, folks, Christ's relationship with his people, with the world, with us, is unique because he is creator. He sustains all things. He controls all things. He enables all things. But then how do we respond? Because there are really a couple of responses that we give and so we're going to explore both of them in the short time that we have today. The first thing we see on the second slide that will come up in a few moments is that we live in a world that did and does not know the Savior, verses 9 and 10. It says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world, and he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. We're coming into this Christmas season where we think about Christ's birth. Christ's incarnation, and that incarnational relationship that he has with those who love him and believe him and trust him and are saved by him. But we're also fully aware, folks, as you look at your TV screens, as you deal with social media, as you work in a school or wherever you happen to work, whatever it happens to be, is the fact that we live in a world that did and does not know the Savior. We live in a world that's inhabited. We live in a world that's blind and deaf and daft when it comes to the things of God. 
we live in a world that's inappropriate and totally self-centered where it acts in such a way and its relationships are all about me. How many people do you know who talk about themselves all the time? Me, 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 I, I, I. It's never us. It's about me. And folks, when somebody gets into the pulpit and starts talking about themselves, it's time to question mark. You see, the world in which we live is inhabited, a world that's self-centered, a world that's inappropriate, a world that thinks for itself, a world that has rejected the tree light, a world that has given up on the gospel, given up on the Bible, given up on the Savior, a world that's inhabited, a world that's infected. Infected by what? Well, you see, creation rebuffs the Creator, a world that's infected by sin through our first parents, where truth is exchanged for falsehood, which the light is more than capable of penetrating and exposing. This light is true, folks. This light gives light to those who believe, those who trust, those who follow the Savior. But we also see that this Savior, this Christ, this incarnational Son of God was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And the world that Jesus grew up in and lived in in Nazareth and Galilee and Bethlehem and other places didn't know him. And we find that so pertinent in the Gospels because what we find is basically what they say is, well, sure, he's no different than the rest of us. Sure, don't we know his mother and his earthly father? Don't we know, don't we know his brothers and sisters? Sure, he lives down the street. He's not unique. He's not different. He's just like you and me. That's the sort of attitude that the people of Nazareth had towards the Lord Jesus. And so he came to his own and he taught in the synagogue and they did not receive him. The world that did in Christ's day, in John's day, and a world that does not know the Savior in our day. Second thing we see is that there's not only a world that did and does not know, but there's also a world that did and does reject. Verse 11. It says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Already sort of dealt with it to some extent because we live in a world that is thoroughly infirm. When Jesus came to his own, to people who should have known better, to people who should have been clued in, folks, to people who had, should have had their finger in the pulse, the Jews, they deliberately rejected him and refused to believe him because they were infirm in their souls and their minds and their bodies and their hearts. Not only were they infirm in their attitudes and behaviors, but they were also inept. Because his own, his kith and kin, his next door neighbors, the people that lived down the street, the people that lived around him, the people that saw him grow up, the people were inept. Because they crudely and selfishly bypassed the Lord Jesus for idols and impostors. <clears throat> and this world is no different. Macrofelt has bypassed the Lord Jesus for idols and 
imposters. Idols of different shapes, sizes. Idols of wood and stone. Idols of fame and fortune. And also for imposters. People who tell lies. Therefore, the Bible calls them liars. A world that did and does reject the Savior. You're living in a town, folks, that's rejected Jesus. I live in a country area that has rejected the Savior. We're living amongst people who don't want to know anything about God. Now, you might say to yourself, well, that's a bit of a doom and gloom merchant you are today, but that's not really the case because we do live amongst those people. We do live amongst those who are idol worshippers and imposters. But we also live in the days of opportunity where if you are a believer, you have the opportunity to share the gospel with people in loads of different ways. Yesterday, as the Christmas trail came through here, the you know, people were able to see something unique and different, something about the Christmas story that was brought to us by young adults here in Union Road. Anybody that came in who was unseen will hear the Christmas story again. Those who were infirm and inept were able to walk through those front doors and come in and listen to a message that would change their lives. And if they were to come to the service of public worship, they would hear exactly the same thing. But we live in a world that's bypassed the Savior. But thirdly, and this is the this is the the crux of things. We see in verses twelve to fourteen of people who believe and trust and are adopted. Verse twelve then changes tone and says, But to all, but here's the but word again. It's always a but. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Then it talks about the word and the flesh. We live in a world that did and does not know God continuously. We live in a world that did and does reject the Savior even today. But we also live amongst the people who do believe, who do trust and who have been adopted into God's family. And what, who are they? It says, but to all who receive him, who believe him, he has given the right to be called children of God. And why? Well, verse 13 tells us why. Who were born again. Born not of blood, not of the flesh, not of the will of a man, but born from on high, born of God. Are ye? Are ye born again from heaven? You might say to yourself, that's like something you would hear up on uh, Mullock Boy Hill, but that's what we need to hear here. Are you born again? Do you know the Savior? Do you love him? Are you really following him? Is he, is, does he mean everything to you? Is he life and breath and meat and everything else to you? Have you been adopted into his kingdom? 
adopted as a hell-deserving, guilty sinner that was deserves to be separated from God forever, and yet in God's love and in God's mercy and in His grace, He's dragged you out of that pit. And He's lavished you with His grace. Because the people who believe, trust, and are adopted are totally indebted to the Savior, chosen, elect, covenant children of God. And your debt's been cleared. See, when I worked in Belfast, I came across loads of people who were able to put a, a screen on the wall of the house and the living room, and you would have had to sit outside to watch the TV because the screen was massive. If there's such a thing as an alien from outer space came along, they would, they would go back to outer space again. The wall was full of television. And yet they couldn't afford to feed the children. Priorities all wrong, up to their eyes in debt. It's not just peculiar to Belfast, it's peculiar to everywhere. It's widespread. People debt to eyeballs when it comes to credit cards and other things, loan sharks. And yet we're indebted to the Savior. Because we have an inheritance, those who believe, those who are born again, those who are saved, have an inheritance that God has paid the debt for through a son that you could never pay for. So if people who believe and trust and are adopted are indebted to the Savior, we're in debt, folks. But we're also engrafted because we're born over again. Because that same word that became flesh and dwelt amongst us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we have seen his glory as the only Son of the Father, which is full of grace and truth to those who believe. You see, we're engrafted into God's family. It's great to be in families. It's, it's great to be at a Christmas tide where you'll be able to meet with your families instead of last year where people were scattered, people sitting in the house on their own, different things. But there will still be those around us who need a helping hand and those who are very much alone. Whenever, whenever we know and love a Savior, we're engrafted, we're born over again, we're transformed, we're renewed, we're included. We're still human beings. We're still going to sin, folks. But we're humans here indebted to a Savior who changes our lives. But I want you to ask yourself this question today as we soon leave this meeting house. Has your life been changed by Christ? Or are you still one of those people that lives in this world that did and does reject the Savior? In this world, one of those people who does and has rejected him and doesn't, doesn't know him? Or alternatively, are you an individual who's indebted to the Savior and engrafted into the kingdom? Because you need to be. You see, folks, Jesus Christ is coming soon. He's coming in the twinkling of an eye. And it'll be sooner than any of us think. And you might say to yourself, well, I'm only a child, or I'm only in my teens, or I'm in my early 20s, I've got my whole life ahead of me. Maybe you're looking back and say, my life's gone very, very quickly. I'm now 80 or 70 or 65, whatever it is. 
And one day I was at school and the next day I was in the queue for a job. That's how short life is, folks. And that's why our relationship with God must be rock solid, immovable. That's why when we are indebted to the Savior, we're engrafted into his kingdom. I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I? Are you? Do you belong to Jesus? And does Jesus belong to you? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the short time we've had today. Thank you, Lord, for your continued grace to us. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us, whether saved or not. And for those who are, help us not to be complacent. Help us to grow in grace and faith and prayer. Help us to be at public worship morning and evening. Help us, Lord, to really be out and out for the Savior, not sort of half robes there, not sort of dipping the toe into it, either all or nothing. And Father God, for those who are not, speak to them clearly, speak to them lovingly, but speak to them apparently, so that they might know that they need to turn and seek the Savior, they need to repent now. Father God in heaven, be with us this day, this weekend, and in the week that lies ahead of us, only in the will of the Lord, to whom we are thoroughly indebted. Amen.